Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Church Online. As always, it's such an honor that you would spend your time with us here at Cultivate Church. If you're watching for the very first time, I just want to welcome you as our guest. It's an honor that you would be a part of Cultivate Church Online. I want to invite you to one of our experiences in person, either at our Alabaster campus or our Columbiana campus. Both are at 9 and 10.15 a.m. We think Sundays are the most fun day of the week. It's something we get to do. We don't have to do it. And we would love to have you a part of Cultivate Church in person. But I'm glad again that you're part of Cultivate today. We're concluding our series called But God. And I don't know about you, but for me, this has been an encouraging series. It's been a challenging series. It's been an uplifting series because we've learned a lot about God. We've learned some incredible places all throughout Scripture that begin with those two incredible words, that statement, but God, meaning that just little bit means so much. It represents the power and the potential, uh, the possibilities that are with God when He steps in to a circumstance. And all of this has come out of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, that says this, But God, if you can, you've got some notes, or maybe you've got that open in your Bible where you can write. I want you to underline that. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. You see, it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. But God, so rich in mercy. You see, when we couldn't, He could. And when, when we wouldn't, He would. You see, but God stepped in and changed everything. Throughout the month, we've learned different places throughout Scripture, different Bible stories where God has stepped in. Last week, we learned, but God is. We learned a lot about who God is. We learned that God was our shepherd and the importance of a shepherd. We learned how God is our steward, how he stewards our life. And it's very important to know who God is because he's the one we put our trust into. He's the one that we look to. He's the one that we believe has created everything and holds everything in his hands. But today, I titled your message, But God Is Not. You see, as important it is to know who God is, I believe it is equally as important to know who God is not. You see, I believe God is blamed or framed for things that He's not responsible for. Have you ever been blamed for something that you weren't responsible for? I believe that we all are. I've been blamed for things that I did not do. I've been blamed for things that I did not say. Uh, I've been blamed for things that are broken that I did not break. I mean, I've been blamed for things that I had, I had nothing to do with. I was not responsible for. I didn't make any decisions that would attribute to the outcome of the situation. You see, I was blamed or framed for something that I did not do. Many of us live our life every day often blaming or framing God for things that He didn't do. You see, some of us will say things like, God said this when He never did. Some of us will believe things about God that we have heard that are not true. Some of us take our experiences in life and we blame God for things that He never did, that He never attributed to. You see, we blame God for stuff and frame Him for things that are not true. 
So we need to learn today who God is not. I'm a technology fan and I love all kinds of technology. I love cell phones. I love Apple. I love Androids. I love uh, the Windows and what they're doing. I love uh, all kinds of technology. I just enjoy it. So naturally, I'm a big fan of Steve Jobs. And even if you're not a technology nerd, uh, you can appreciate Steve Jobs and what he contributed to uh, the life that we live. Most of us all we're glued to that cell phone. We use it each and every day. Uh, you may enjoy Disney Pixar movies when we have some classics like Toy Story. You may not even know this, but uh, Steve Jobs really was the secret sauce to the success of Pixar. He believed in them and believed in the technology in which they were developing and came on board to really put some steam behind Pixar and the rest is history. I mean, Steve Jobs really shaped and changed our entire world and the way that we live through technology. He had a vision. He was smart. He, he was uh, able to create. He was able to motivate. He was just a really once-in-a-lifetime guy. But at the age of 13, there's a story that says Steve Jobs attended church. And when he attended church, he took a copy of a Life magazine with him. And on the cover of that Life magazine were two kids who were starving children in need. After church, it says that Steve went to the pastor and said, Hey, pastor, is it true that God knows everything? And the pastor said, Absolutely. God knows everything. He said, so if I were to raise my hand, Steve Jobs asked, and point a finger, you mean God would already know what finger I was going to point before I did it? The pastor said, absolutely, Steve. God knows everything. So Steve then, at 13 years old, presented that magazine to the pastor and pointed to the cover and said, well, does God know about these kids and what is it that God is going to do about it? At 13 years old, Steve Jobs said, if that's the God that you are talking about, I don't want anything to do with that God. And he vowed never to return to church ever again. You see, at just 13 years old, as brilliant as Steve Jobs was, as talented and as equipped and capable and able of all the amazing technology that, that we benefit from today that came birthed from his mind, but at 13 years old, he framed or blamed God for something that he did not do. See, it's very important that we understand who God is, but also who God is not. And so to tell you about that today, I want to talk about a very famous story, a very famous person out of the Bible named Joseph. And many of you may know the story of Joseph. You've been raised in church. Not Joseph, the father of Jesus, but Joseph who had a dream. Joseph who believed he had saw something from God, a promise on his life, a greater purpose that God was going to do something really incredible with Joseph. If you've never heard this story, you can find it in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. When we first meet Joseph, Joseph is 17 years old and he had a dream ultimately that he was a ruler, that he was going to be put in charge of everybody and his family, his brothers. They would all bow down to him because Joseph would be in a place of power and of honor. Well, 
Joseph was sort of the, 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 the favorite child of the family, and there was already jealousy, jealousy over Joseph. And so his brothers really didn't like to hear about this dream. That was the last straw, you could say. It's the straw that broke the camel's back. It pushed them over the edge. And so Joseph's brothers, they sold him into slavery. You see, he had a dream that he was going to be greater than his brothers and that he was going to be over his brothers and his brothers despised that dream and literally sold him into slavery. While in slavery, Joseph is accused of rape and then he's imprisoned. You see, this kid who at 17 years old has this dream that God is going to do something great and all of a sudden his life is falling apart. Literally, his brothers have betrayed him. He's put into a place in slavery, accused of rape, which he did not do, put in prison and for 13 years spends a combination of his life as a servant and as a person in prison. Over 20 years goes by before Joseph actually realizes his dream. I won't rehash the whole story. That's it in a nutshell. But today I want to share three things with you that I believe are really important to learn out of the story of Joseph and the way that he personally navigated all of these difficulties. Because see, it would have been very easy to blame God for something that he is not. But today, this is going to be encouraging to you to know that as you walk through difficulty or you walk through tough seasons, as you struggle in times of your life, it's so important to know who God is not. So I want to pray for us today that God would speak to us through His Word. So Father, I love you. I thank you for your Word. I thank you that it's encouraging, that it will speak to us today, that it would change our life. I pray that somebody who is discouraged would be encouraged today. Somebody who is low would be lifted up. Someone who is hopeless would find hope today. God, I pray through your word we're strengthened and we're changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So number one on your outline, I need you to know this about God. In seasons where it's tough, in seasons where it's difficult, but God is not missing. Write that word down if you're taking notes. God is not missing. In Acts chapter 7 verse 9, we get a glimpse of what was happening with Joseph in the beginning of this story. And it records it this way. It says, the patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt, but God was with him. You see, at no fault of his own, Joseph finds himself in slavery because his brothers were jealous just life circumstances, just where he was, no fault of his own, he finds himself as a slave. If you are where you can, underline that word slave. You see, Joseph finds himself in slavery, in bondage, imprisoned by his circumstances. I don't know about you, but I have felt in times of my life as if I were enslaved to my circumstances. I felt like my situation, what I was living in or what I was living through, felt a lot like slavery. Think about difficult times or seasons in your life where you were going through something, feeling like you were a slave to your condition, a slave to your circumstance. Maybe you said, it's never going to get any better than this. This is as good as it's ever going to get. The good old days are far behind me. When you find yourself as a slave, it's often that you will accuse God of being missing, that He's not present, 
or that he's not with you, or that he has forgotten about you, or that God has abandoned you. But God is not missing. I've walked through those seasons of my life. I can think about it very vividly. As a matter of fact, when we planted this church, we planted this church almost 10 years ago. In January of 2022, we will celebrate 10 years of Cultivate Church, living life on purpose together. And what an incredible journey it's been. We have seen uh, so many people uh, come to a knowledge of Jesus. Their lives have been changed. We've seen families restored, people that were lost, but because of God were found. People that were uh, dead in their sin, but God revived them from their condition. Relationships that were struggling, but God stepped in and restored them. We've seen so many miracles. But I can tell you the very first five or so years of planting this church was very, very difficult. You see, I'd spent 10 years of my life already before planting this church uh, in full-time ministry. It was a dream of mine. It was my calling. It was my purpose. And I lived every day uh, in full-time ministry. What a blessing from God. Yet when we planted this church, we quit our jobs. We saved a little bit of money to be able to live. And then we moved to a city where we didn't know anybody. And, and then we put all of our focus and all of our attention into planting Cultivate Church. Well, at some point in time, I had to get a job. I had to make some money. I had to be able to provide for my family. And so I became, for the first time in 10 years of my life, a bivocational pastor. I have great respect for bivocational pastors, those who work outside of full-time ministry. And I spent my days driving about 400 miles a day, delivering, you name it, pharmaceuticals, uh, medical equipment, lab rats, coffins. I mean, I've delivered anything and everything about 400 miles a day, and I would be going down the road, and I would be taking notes in preparation for Sunday. I would be on the phone making phone calls for the church. There would be things happening during the day that, you know, typically a, a pastor would be able to be at and to serve and to give, and, and I couldn't do those things. And along that journey, I got real depressed, and I just got down, and I said, God, we, we sacrificed everything. We were obedient to you. You gave us a call. You gave us a purpose. You gave us a vision. And God, we obeyed it, and we moved into it. So why, God, is my life being sucked away and all of my time being taken to do these things when you've called me to do something else? And literally, like Joseph, in this moment, I felt like I was a slave. I know what it feels like. To be in that season and feel like God is missing. I felt alone. I had felt abandoned. I had for, felt forgotten. I felt that at times that even though I prayed and even though I asked God and I began to seek God and I was looking for God and I was begging God for something to change, it's just like God wasn't there. It's almost as if God had completely forgotten about me. I felt like God was missing and I was a slave. Joseph was a slave, but the rest of that verse, remember, said, but God was with him. Let me read it to you again. These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave, but God was with him. You see, Joseph is, 
in slavery. He's in bondage. He's not where he thinks he's supposed to be. But see, God wasn't missing. God was with him the entire time. God was with me the entire time. On the other side of it, I can see what God was doing. I can see the journey that God took me on. Long story short, if I had not had taken the journey as a bivocational pastor in order to have insurance through a company, I wouldn't have been able to afford or have the son that I have now. My son Asher is five years old. We had him through the process of in vitro. It took three attempts at having my son, and it just so happened that the insurance we had through the company I was working for provided for the possibility for us to have in vitro fully paid for. In 2016, after my son was born, six months later when 2017 arrived, we came full-time on staff at Cultivate Church to do nothing but tend to and take care of this church. You see, when I thought God was missing, God was really there. God had a better plan all along. God knew my heart was going to be to have a son. God knew the blessing that he wanted to give to me and God's provision in taking care of it required me a different road or a different journey than I would have chosen for myself. You see, I didn't understand it. I thought God had forgotten, but God was with me all along. If you're having a hard time finding God, I want to challenge you in maybe three things. Write this down if you can. If you can't find God, maybe you're in the wrong place. Many of us will look for God in places that He's not. We'll look for God in our own depression. We'll look for God in our own understanding. We'll look for God in our own abilities. We'll look for God in places that He's not. I want to encourage you to look for God where He is mostly, where He talks to you mostly, and that's in His Word. Don't take God's Word for granted. Look for God in your time of worship. Look for God in your community of your church. Look for God in small groups where you can gather with people and get intimate with people and share your life with people and communicate with people. If you can't find God, it's possible you're looking for God in the wrong place. If you can't find God, maybe you're with the wrong people. Come on, some of us need to eject some people from our life. You need to pull the cord, you need to eject them out, and you need to remove those people from out of your life. They're not positive, they're negative, they're not lifting you up, they're tearing you down. Every time you look to God, they may say, why do you keep believing? Why do you keep trusting? Why don't you just give up on God? He is missing, He is not there, He has not touched your circumstance. Maybe you need to change the people that are in your life. You need to find people that will pray for you, that will encourage you, that will help help equip you, that will help correct you and direct you. You need good people in your life. If you can't find God, maybe you're with the wrong purpose. Maybe you're looking for the wrong purpose. Maybe you're chasing the wrong thing. Maybe your heart is in the wrong place. Maybe your motives are in the wrong place. Maybe you need to check your purpose. I want to remind you today and encourage you, God is not missing God is always with you. Look at this verse in Jeremiah 29 and 13. It says, if, underline that if you can, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. He says that because he's not missing. He has not abandoned you. But God is 
with you. God is not missing. Number two, write this down. You need to know this about God. But God is not mean. God is not mean. Well, if God's, if, if, if God's not missing, and if He's really there, and I'm going through this, well, then obviously God must just be mean. He must just be a mean God. They told me that He was loving, and they told me that He was good, but there's no way a good God would give me these problems. There's no way that a good God would give me these circumstances. Surely a good God would not let me have that doctor's report, would not let me experience pain in my life. Well, let's take a look at Joseph again in Genesis 50 and 20. This is Joseph talking to his brothers years after they had sold him into slavery. This is around the time that his, his dream is coming to pass. And it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it, underline this word if you can, all for what? Underline this, for good. Joseph is talking to his brothers here. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of, underline this, many, many people. You see, if Joseph looks at his brothers, the source of his problems, the source of his slavery, as Joseph looks on them, he says, look, you meant to harm me. You meant to do me harm. You wanted something bad to happen to me, but God intended it all for good. You see, everything happening in your life, but God intends it for good. The enemy means it for harm, but God, He's going to use it all for good. Why is that word all important? Because that's everything. That's the good seasons. That's the bad seasons. It's the seasons where you think God is missing, and it's the seasons where you think God God is mean. You see, everything happens for a reason, but God is not the reason for everything. Everything bad in your life, is, God's not the source of it. There are things that happen in our life that are just bad. Jesus said it himself. He said, look, I had a lot of trouble. And because I had trouble, you're going to have trouble too. I suffered and you're going to suffer. They hated me, and they're going to hate you. We live in a sin-fallen world. And just because we experience things that are unpleasant or maybe unkind or undecided, undeserved, unwanted, whatever you want to say, it does not mean that God is mean. You see, everything happens for a reason. But God is not the reason for everything. Though God may not cause all things, He will in fact use all things. You see, God may not be the source of it, but He will still use it. Sin, fallen world, bad things happen to good people. You see, bad things come our way. We experience trouble where we may look at things and go, well, God, if you're there, if you're not missing and you're present and this is happening, then you must be mean. No, though God may not cause it, He will still use it. You see, I want to share just three things that I think troubles do for us. Because when you experience difficulty, I believe it's doing something inside of us. You see, God is more concerned with changing us than He is changing our circumstances. You see, if we ask God to change our circumstance, 
It prevents God from changing our character. You see, God is forming us and He's making us. It's a difficult process. It's not fun and it's not comfortable. But every season that we go through that is difficult, God is using it to prepare us. Here's three things troubles do. The first thing, this is just extra, is they direct us. They put us in the right direction. You see, everything that Joseph went through was preparing him for the purpose that God had placed on his life. That dream that he had had, it was a really important dream. You see, the dream that Joseph was given was really to be a ruler, to be in charge of making wise decisions that would provide the provision for the good of other people. He would provide for his very family that sold him into slavery. You see, sometimes you come out of your circumstances in a better place than you were when you began. When I began that season of difficulty in planning this church and working bivocationally and feeling torn like God was missing, you know, God wasn't missing and God wasn't mean. He used that situation to direct me to a blessing. And had God not put me in that place, I may have never received the blessing that God had given me. So it directs us. It also corrects us. Many of us today, maybe you're watching or you're listening and you love Jesus and you have a relationship with Jesus and you would say maybe it was trouble in your life that led you to a realization that a relationship with Jesus was needed, that it was important. Maybe you're tuned in online today or listening by podcast simply because you're in that place and you realize you need something different because the life that you're living is not producing the results or the product of what you desire. And you see, God will... He'll use trouble to direct us. He'll use it to correct us and lead us to repentance. And then God will also use our, our troubles to protect us. If not for God, where would we be? But God, because of Him, He provides and He supplies and He takes care of us. God is not mean. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 28, it says, and we know that God causes, there's that word again, everything to work together for the good, there's that word again, of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. We know that God causes everything, everything in your life that you can experience. He causes everything to work for your good. Today, God's not mean. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. God is so in love with you that He wants more for you than you could ever want for yourself. God has a great plan and He has a great purpose. God is not missing. God is not mean. And then number three, God is not, I like this word, measly. You ever heard that word measly? It just means wimpy or without strength or without a physical ability to carry the load or to withstand the weight. No, you see, God is strong. God's not measly. He's not wimpy. He's not a sissified God. No, He's strong. He can carry the weight. He can share your burdens. God can lift you and take you. But Joseph understood the strength of God in the middle of his weakness. In Genesis 41 and 16, it says, It's beyond my power. Underline that statement that Joseph says, It is beyond my power to do this. But God can. God can tell you what it means and He can set you at ease. 
Joseph had been asked to do something that really was contingent on his freedom. Joseph was asked to interpret a dream because Joseph had this ability to interpret the dreams of other people. And, and the, the leader in charge at this time had a dream, wanted it interpreted, and so they turned to Joseph. Now in this great need, Joseph says, hey look, I don't have the ability, I don't have the strength in myself, but God can. You see, many of us, we think we're strong. We think we can do it within ourselves. I love to go to the gym and I love to work out. And sometimes I think maybe I'm a little stronger than I am. One night in particular, I went to the gym. It was really late and I was really tired. But I was really convinced and determined that I was going to get a good workout in and I was going to push myself and I was going to give it my best. And I grabbed a set of 100-pound dumbbells. And for me, that was a lot of weight. And I grabbed those dumbbells and I was going to do bench press with those dumbbells. I was going to really push myself hard. And it was late and I was tired. And as I laid back on that bench, the bench was a little crooked. So when I laid back, this left shoulder didn't land on the bench. And so when I put all of my weight back, this arm came over carrying 100 pounds. It shot this arm over. I flew off of the bench in the floor with two 100-pound dumbbells with everybody in the gym staring at me. You see, I thought I had it. I thought I had the ability to carry the weight. I thought I was strong enough, but I wasn't. In that moment, I did not have the strength that I had at a different time of the day, on a different day, when I was more awake and I wasn't so depleted of energy. There are moments in your life that you are not strong enough and you need God to step in the same way that Joseph did. Our prayers often sound like this. This will tell you if you find yourself in that situation. God, I need your help. You know, when you say, God, I need your help, it really sounds like that you're still in charge and you just need God to help you along. Instead, we need to get the heart of Joseph and the understanding of Joseph that while we are in the middle of our condition, that we understand God's not measly. No, God is strong and I need to submit all of my weakness to Him. In Celebrate Recovery, there's a prayer that says this. It says, I realize I'm not God. I admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong things and confess my life is unmanageable. I realize I'm not God and I admit that I am powerless. Our Celebrate Recovery is a recovery ministry of our church that helps people find freedom from their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. One of the very first principles they teach is that I can't do it. I don't have the power. I am powerless and I submit completely to a God who is all-powerful. God is not measly. Psalm 73, 26 says this, My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Yes, my health may fail, my spirit may I may be weak. I may get weak at times. But God, He is my strength. Today, whatever season you're walking through, maybe it's difficulty. I want to tell you today, but God is not missing. But God is not mean. and But God is not measly. God is with you and He is for you. Joseph took this journey from a dream to 
the prison and to slavery until the completion and the fulfillment of his dream. And all through the process, God was there every step of the way. Today, God knows more than you know. He sees more than you see. He wants more for you than you want for yourself. We just have to trust Him. And so today, I want to pray for you that we would do just that. Would you bow your head, close your eyes with me right there where you're at if you can. Maybe you're watching today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want to tell you, that's the first step of all of this. That's the number one thing that you need to do today is decide that you need to give your heart and your life to Jesus. And I want to pray for you that you can do that. Maybe you're watching today and you're just struggling with your circumstance of life. You're just going through some difficulty. You feel like God's missing or maybe you feel like God is mean or He's measly and doesn't have the strength. But today... I hope that this is an encouragement to you to know that but God is not any of those things. He's with you. He's able and He's capable. He's present. He's powerful. And there's potential in His presence. So Father, today I thank you for all of my friends watching online. I pray for every person that needs a personal relationship with you. I pray that right now, Father, we would just commit that we have sin, we would admit it, we would confess it to you, and we would ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to forgive me. Jesus, today I choose to put you first in my life. And Father, I pray for every person who is struggling that feels like you're missing. God, that just feels like maybe you're just a little bit mean. Or God, they feel like you're measly and you don't have the strength to help them through the circumstance that they're in. Father, I pray today that you do everything that you desire to do in us and through us and that you would get all the credit for it. Encourage us today. Strengthen people today. Give hope for the hopeless. God, I pray that you would wipe away all the worry, all the stress, all the depression, all the anger, all the resentment, the unforgiveness. God, I pray that you would help give freedom to hurts and habits and hang-ups. God, you are able. And today we acknowledge it. And we put all of our trust, all of our hope, and all of our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.